sometimes we don't even realize that we're battling against God. And a lot of us know that Jesus is the truth, but not a lot of us experience Jesus as the truth. You've never, you've never, you you hear about Jesus, but you you've never experienced him. Don't be so extra. Like I can just show up in my flip flops and walk. Faith in Christ influences how you live and why you live the way that you do. I want you to remember Romans 8, 37 verse 39, which says, yet in all these things, we are more than conquering. And then when that advice is failing you, like, ah, Jesus. What yeah. we're going through is not something that we are concerned about only as individuals, but we should also remember that we are part of the body of Christ. Happy Friday, everyone. Happy Friday. It's Michelle, and I'm here with the lovely... Ira. And we're so glad that you could join us uh, once again. Now, we had a really lovely Sabbath last week, Ira. Yes, we, we did. got to go to Stambra mm. and do the Sabbath school there. Oh, such lovely people. Thank you so much for inviting us. And shout out to Stambra. Please invite us again. Would love to see you guys. Um, and just before we start, I'm just going to say a word of prayer for our listeners. So my prayer is that you allow God to help or we allow God to help us understand the teaching of the armor, which we're going to go through today, but not only, not only understand it, but also practice it in our daily lives. Amen. Amen. Now, the topic for this week is really, it, it, when I read it, I was like, huh? Because the topic is waging peace. Like, what is that about? Because usually it's like waging war, isn't it? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. When I hear wa waging, the next thing is war. war so when I'm like waging pieces, like, what, what are you guys trying to say to me today? Okay. So as usual, you know what I did. I went to the dictionary. I was like, what is waging war? Let me first find the dictionary definition of that. And it says to fight a war or organize a series of activities in order to achieve something. So I'm literally going to be super lazy and exchange war with peace to define waging peace so waging peace to organize a series of activities in order to achieve peace i like that i really like that i it's so funny because i also looked into that because i was like waging war i've heard it many times if you said as you've said michelle but yeah I don't actually know what it meant. I just assumed, okay, it's something to do with war, like war yeah. that's happening. But to actually see and hear the definition mm. from the dictionary is is so insightful. Yeah. Because when you're talking about achieving something or a number of activities in order to achieve something, then I'm like, oh, so that's what you kind of mean by waging war is like, Almost like preparing for the battle. Like starting it. Yeah. yeah. Or starting it off or whatever. Mm -hmm. Whereas I found it quite insightful because we're, we're so used to the saying waging war. And I agree when I read waging peace, I was like, huh? And then I realized that, of course, mm. in the Bible, the message that is being offered to us and advocated is gonna conflict with the message of this world which is talking about you know the world is waging war whereas in heaven mm. we're being called to wage peace that's a very new concept for me and i liked it me too mm. and this week i i came across this message which funnily enough is is fitting to this week's topic here because it was talking about how we shouldn't fight our battles, but to let God fight our battles for us. Right. 
Now, I I told you about it last week, Michelle, that I, I had a bit of a work problem. Mm-hmm. And I was set to basically come for this man. I was on smoke. I wanted to like write heated letters or whatever. But something held me back. And then I prayed about it. Now, I don't know what God is doing in the background, but I consider that to be something that I, I don't want to say accidentally, but not present, like I guess not fully thinking about it or conscious that I was letting God fight the battle for me by surrendering and just praying to God. I then heard this story that broke down the fact that, do you remember who it was in the Bible that wrestled with God? It, well, it starts with a J. Jacob. Jacob. Yes, it was Jacob. And, and you know, my guy was fighting with wrestling for like all night. Mm. Um, the message to this story was like, sometimes we don't even realize that we're battling against God. Wow. When we should have let God do his thing mm. and fight our battles for us. That's, that was something that I found to be really profound and, and what I was experiencing in the last few weeks in my workplace and in just my personal life. So this week, as Michelle mentioned, we're going to be looking into waging peace. Now, Sunday kicks us off with the church, a unified army. Now, when we're talking about this battle, this war and conflict, obviously each day we wake up and we're we're personally experiencing our own struggles, right? Mm-hmm. I I can I can testify that on a day to day I have some sort of struggle whatever it might be. Um you know this morning I woke up and my body was aching. I slept in a wrong position. Oh, worst day, especially <laughs> if it's your neck. It's, it oh, was my neck, bro. That's the worst. Oh, and um I just feel like that's a physical battle <laughs> that I'm having to experience. I even prayed about it cuz I was like God, this don't feel right to me. Mm. Um but Obviously, we, when we're reading Ephesians, Paul is introducing us to what is considered a unified battle, mm. right? That not what we're going through is not something that we are concerned about only as individuals, but mm. we should also remember that we are part of the body of Christ. We are part of his church, right? His chosen people. Mm. It's not a unique exactly. It's not unique to It's a collective. It's a war. collective thing. Mm. Exactly. Um, in the lesson, we are introduced to what they say is battles between Greeks and Roman times. Okay. And in those times, victory was from, I guess, victory in Greek and Roman warfare was dependent on the cooperation of soldiers in a military unit working mm-hmm. as a team. And I'd, I'd say like to this day and age, working as a team is super important still the same yeah it's still the same like mm. it you know in my workplace i've got a team that i'm managing and overseeing and if one of them moves <laughs> not according to the plan that we all agreed to that things are going to go left right and especially within i've never been part of an army and i'm guessing you haven't as well michelle so we can only imagine i can only base my knowledge and expectation Um, based on movies that I've seen. Yeah. But it refers to the times during Greek and Romans um, 
Roman people and armies that indiv individualism in a battle was regarded as a characteristic of barbarian warriors. And those barbarian warriors were basically doomed for defeat. That makes sense, though, because every time they just try to do their own thing, they'd always lose. Like, yeah. <laughs> so there no you go. No formation, no nothing. Like, come on, guys, get it together. Literally. And so when we're talking about individual battles, it's no longer an individual battle. But what Paul is portraying here is that it's a call for each and every single one of us to put on the full armor of God and move as a unified army vigorously and unitedly pressing forward in the battle mm, i love that um and talking about um do you know the whole time that you're talking in my head i keep saying that we are soldiers in the army do you know that song? <laughs> i used to love that um so let's go straight into monday and mondays is entitled the belt and breastplate so it's talking about um what if kind of what Paul tells us to ready ourselves with in Ephesians 6, 14. And I'll quickly read it for everyone. So it says, Stand therefore, having your loins girt about with truth and having on the breastplate of righteousness. Okay. So Paul tells us how we are to begin to prep for this battle. Um, when I heard, when I read girded your waist, I was like, what does that even mean? No, I was just about to say, I had no yeah. idea what girded like, means. Because we don't do that anymore. Well, I don't gird my. We, well, when you wear when you wear a belt, you kind of put it in place. So What's maybe a gird might... then. What's girded? I'm assuming you googled it. No, I didn't. That's the first time I haven't googled something. I haven't. My bad. But I'm I'm guessing it means like to to secure it, maybe. I'm, I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna Google it now for you. Thank you. Girded Whilst your loins that, uh -huh. is to prepare to do something difficult or dangerous. Oh, interesting, okay. right? Okay, okay. Well, this throws a bit of a curveball oh. in, in, into my lesson study. <laughs> Sorry, Miss. Because I hadn't prepped for that. But what I had prepped for is to understand how it was in ancient times. So apparently they used to have really loose-fitting garments um, back then. So why the reason why they needed to gird it was to make sure that they tightened, um, you know, before you go to war. Otherwise, if you go and you're like, imagine fighting a war and you've got loose garments. You're going to be tripping you know, in the battle, you're going to trip on yourself. Um, and likewise, I I took it as we also can't be tripping about in this battle that we have um, against, you know, the devil. Um, and one of the things that makes us trip is when we kind of rely on ourselves or we're self-sufficient. I liked what Alex said last week when we asked things that hinder you from uh, God and said self-sufficiency because when you fail, once again, you, you just, you're not in a right, you don't have a good backbone, right? But here it actually says we are to guard our waist with truth. So then I was like, okay, but what what is the truth? And I feel like the Adventist in me wants to say the truth can be found in John 14 verse 6, Ooh. which is correct, which is when Jesus says, I am the way, the truth and the life. And that's fine. But what does that actually mean? Right. And I feel like a lot of us know that verse you know, up the top of our head. And a lot of us know that Jesus is the truth, but not a lot of us experience Jesus as the truth. Mm. You've never, you've never, you you hear about Jesus, but you, you've never experienced him. You've never asked him to guide you or, or to show himself to you. And I feel that's one thing that you, that we need on ourselves. Because once you experience that truth, even when someone comes to you and tries to trip you up, 
yeah. with your loose garments, tries to trip you up with your self-sufficiency. Mm. You're gonna be like, I don't know what you're talking about. Mm. <laughs> you you can't you can't trip me up. But in case you ever do find yourself in a place where you're tripping up or you're second guessing, you know, whether because we are sinful people, whether Christ actually loves you or whether he's going to forgive you for, for, you know, for what you do. I want you to remember Romans eight thirty seven verse 39, which says, Yet in all these things we are more than conquerors to like. him who loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, and, you know, just in case you're like, um, there's there's something that Michelle didn't mention or the Bible doesn't mention. It says, no, any other thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus. So essentially, as I was saying, this belt uh, functions as tying up the garments and holding other items in place. Now, imagine having that truth hold you in place that even when you're going through storms in life, I like it. You know what I mean? You've got Jesus holding you in place. You're not you're not fumbling. So that's what I read or I was felt impressed when I when I read about that belt of truth secondly it talks about the breastplate now once again i had to do a bit of research because remember paul is talking to these people and they understand what this means because they see it all the time but obviously we don't know because our soldiers don't be wearing breastplates we're like bulletproof vests or whatever so anyway <laughs> <laughs> the breastplate of righteousness so breastplate was made of either bronze or chain mail you, you you've probably seen it anyway you know like it's like wrapped around like itself on their breastplates and stuff. And the reason why the wore it was to protect their vital organs, especially their hearts, right, from any blows and thrusts of the enemy. Second Corinthians 5.21 says, Christ was without sin, but for our sake, God made him share our sin in order that we are in union with him and we might share the righteousness of God. So basically, to put on the breastplate of righteousness, we must first have that belt of truth, remember, which is Jesus firmly, firmly in place. Because without truth, our righteousness will be based up on our own uh, attempts to impress God. So when we put it on, we do this by seeking God and his righteousness above everything else, as stated in Matthew 6, verse 33. Beautiful. Now that you say that, I look at the whole lesson this week. And it picks out the various different garmer, mm. garmer, garmer. Armor. I meant to say armor and garment. <laughs> and garment it makes but, sense. Uh, that's actually a cool word. Garma. Yeah, there you go. Let's uh, go. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I one that I thought was quite funny. I'm picking up on Tuesday's lesson that is entitled "Shoes." Mm. The church wages peace. I found it quite funny that they pulled out shoes specifically because. I love shoes, but, well, I feel like it's a stereotype that women love shoes. But I don't know too many women that love shoes like that. Dude. No. Really? Do you? Do you love shoes? I, I like, well, when I was younger, mm -hmm. I loved all types of heels. Like, I was wearing Rah! all types of heels. Now I wear, like, one bear. Yeah, that's My the same. My most comfy one. Yeah. <laughs> the rest are for decoration. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I feel like, you're right. I used to wear different heels. I used to switch it up. And... Maybe maybe I'm wrong. I said I love shoes, but that's loved, previously loved. Right. Because now I'm forever in my Crocs. <laughs> like That's a trap. Once you buy a pair, that's it. Yeah, it's it. And girls, like, I'm here for comfort. Mm. I'm no longer here to, like, you know, back in the days when you would 
literally wear your heels. Oh. We're literally showing our age. I hope you know. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> My bad. I don't mean to um, uh, picture myself to be a granny, but I kind of low-key am a granny now. Trust me, those My... kitten heels be hitting. Yeah, they. I was wearing kitten heels like last Sabbath, and <laughs> I know for a fact I was getting side-eye from Alex because he hates kitten heels. <laughs> but I'm sorry. I feel like such a mum as well wearing them, but th- I'm here for comfort now. Mm. And I... I remembered this story about my friend who... Have you ever gone on a hike? Have you gone hiking, walking? Yeah. Yeah. And you, you already sound exhausted saying... Trust yeah. me, just thinking Why? about it. Flashbacks. Uh, I've, I've gone on hikes before, but before I went on a hike, my friend was telling me... It was going to be a new experience for me, right? Mm-hmm. So in the office, I was speaking to my friend. Oh, I'm so excited. I'm going on a hike. And she was like, bruh, I broke my foot going on a hike. I was like... Mm-hmm. really because in my head i'm thinking bro it's a simple walking up and down a hill or whatever like you know i like how you say simple walking up and that's down what a i hill. was thinking this this was before i went on a hike mm-hmm. so i'm like how bad could it be it's just long it's a long walk and i've gone on walks with well barefoot on the sand and the beach or <laughs> whatever <laughs> <laughs> so i was thinking it's gonna be no problems and now she was like i went on a long walk and I'd done my ankle over like I stepped wrong and Ooh. it twisted and it just mashed it up one thing I learned from that lesson was wear hiking shoes mm. and I was like rah it really ain't that deep sis you don't need to wear hiking shoes to go on a walk surely I think this is the Filipino in me as well that just don't believe in any <laughs> <laughs> like none of that stuff I'm like don't be so extra like I can just show up in my flip flops and walk <laughs> She kind of convinced me to buy some the cheapest decathlon hiking shoes. Mm-hmm. But one of the reasons why she said it caused her such a really bad injury was because in the shoes that she wore, which is just normal trainers, there was no real padding that offered itself around your ankles. Because mm-hmm. hiking shoes tend to have like, they almost look like boots. Yeah. They kind of run up your ankles a bit and provide some extra padding there, some coverage, protection. Mm-hmm. And it also meant that when you make a misstep... Let's say when you step on a wrong, I don't know, like a wobbly stone while you're on a hike in the Midlands or whatever. Midlands? Highlands. Um, you're not going to, even if you fumble, your ankle's not going to go all twist up. Yeah. And and so that's when I realized, okay, there's an importance here um, about footwear. And so when we're talking about shoes here, we need to ensure that we're wearing shoes that are going to be solid protective and help us to stand firm and grounded in well I'm about to take it to grounded in our faith here that's essentially what Paul is telling us so he uses a lot of military references all throughout the week Mm. um, particularly in these verses between uh, Ephesians 6 10 to 20 and we kind of covered it last week as well but because of these military military references we may be I don't know we could fall into the trap of believing that well war means conflict means battle means start some beef in it mm-hmm. and basically what i think is being said here is that paul doesn't want us to fall into that trap and get any funny ideas about causing beef with your neighbor waging war or waging war as it says mm-hmm. we we're being called to wage peace, peace. here mm. and He wants believers to be proclaiming the gospel of peace and to wage peace by employing this gospel arsenal that we're running through each day this week, which, you know, for 
for, I guess, clarity here is the Christian virtues of humility, patience, forgiveness, all of these things that are gonna promote peace mm. rather than promote Fused. Yeah, fused. Feud. Feuds. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I lost my 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 tongue there. Um, and also, he's calling us to employ practices that would once again promote peace. So not only those characteristic traits, but things like worshiping together, mm. praying together. These are all really powerful agents, mm. if that's the word I want to use in order to bring us closer together and and to bring peace. The gospel is a message of peace. And I think in this day and age, the devil knows what he's doing. And sometimes he paints out the picture of Christianity to be one of restriction and limitation. It turns a lot of people off, right? Yeah. And I think we, as a body of Christ, as the church of God, we need to do way better at promoting this peace that we are being called by Paul to do. Mm. How do we do that? That's I think that's a real good reflection question because it's not enough for us to go into church every Sabbath or whenever it is you go to church. It's not enough for us to just say hi to the people that we love and the neighbors that we have or yeah. you know the colleagues, whoever it is around our network. But we need to make extra effort, I would say, to promote and wage peace. What activities can we carry out in order to achieve this great calling to promote peace? Mm, I love that. You know, when I, I was listening to a podcast, a different podcast that also does a Sabbath school lesson, and on especially that feed, someone, the person who was speaking said, when you go somewhere, like if, if you're going to go to the shops, can you go without your feet? <laughs> no, you no, can't. no. Your feet take you everywhere. And so when he says with the preparation of the gospel of the peace, his angle was you shouldn't only act Christian when you go to church. <laughs> it mm. should be like an everyday it's wherever your feet are going, you you as a Christian should always be there. And I liked I liked that what he said about that. So going into Wednesday, Wednesday is shield, helmet, and sword. So once again, the shield was used by the Roman legionnaire and it was made of leather and the edges were carved inwards to shield you from any, you know, side action as well. So you're proper like shielded in mm. the shield, which makes sense. And sometimes what they'll do is they'll soak this shield in water so that when the enemy would throw any fiery darts, any fiery um, ar- arrows, yeah. like it would, it would basically, it's like an extinguisher. Yeah. So then I started thinking, why would they use fire? Because it actually says, like, you know, fiery dot. Yeah. So like, why are they using, like, fire? Because if it's if the arrow is going to hit you, like... Isn't it, it going to hurt already? It's going to hurt yeah. already. So why is it, like, why is there a flame? Like, yeah. it just never... Like, when I watch movies and they're doing like, I don't understand why uh, yeah, they're doing it. Yeah, it's just like, it. you're already going to get them. Exactly. Mm. So I decided to... Google. (laughs) So it actually says fire arrows were used during sieges. The primary use was to burn towns or your defenses and force the defenders to have to fight a battle on two fronts. Mm. So not only are you fighting against the arrows that are pointed towards you, you're now having to fight to, you know, make sure your town doesn't get burnt down. Mm. And I think when you have no faith, especially in Christ, because, you know, the shield is the shield of faith. You have no confidence 
there's no point to you living. You're literally, you're having to fight the devil on one side, but you're also having to fight yourself because you've decided to root everything in you instead of rooting things in Christ. And Hebrews 11, 1 says, Now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. So faith is more than just a feeling. Uh, to ha have faith is to believe that God created the world and sent his only son to die for our sins so we might have eternal life. So the bottom line is faith in Christ influences how you live and why you live the way that you do. Secondly, we spoke about the helmet. Uh, now, of course, which is quite obvious what a helmet does. The helmet shielded their necks, their heads, their ears, etc. And one thing you always say, Ira, is it's important for us to capture or take our thoughts captive. Of course, you, you get this from the Bible. And when we talk about the helmet of salvation, it makes me realize the importance of taking our thoughts captive. Uh, and whilst on the same theme, especially as Christians, being very aware of what we think about and when we think about things, etc. Uh, one thing I have found is a lot of Christians, including myself, before we started the podcast, is we believed that it was our works that saved us. Yeah. yeah. I have to be a good person so that I go to heaven. I have mm. to, like, I don't know, a lot of things that we used to say. And mm. I don't, well, for me, I can't say weeks. I don't know. Maybe other people knew this and I didn't. I didn't understand the truth about salvation. Yeah. And that salvation is a gift that's already freely given to every, each and every one of us. Mm. We already have it. You don't have to work up towards your salvation, it's there for you. Um, what you have to do is accept it. And in that acceptance comes then you're accepting your mission, just as Paul had done. John 5.24 says, Verily, truly, I say to you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and will not be judged, but has crossed over from death to life. So, like I said, salvation isn't something that we can work towards. Rather, it's a free gift we receive if we believe in God. So get out of your head thinking you need to do something to earn salvation. It's already yours. But once you accept it, your life needs to be transformed and live accordingly. Finally, we have the sword of the spirit. Now, in this whole armor, the sword is actually the only kind of like offensive thing that we have. Does that yeah. make sense? Like the weapon. Like, the like weapon, an yeah. It's weapon. The, oh, yeah, everything else is kind of shielding you and stopping things. Yeah. But the sword is the only thing that's there and we know that the sword of course is the word of god and one thing i've learned or when i was doing my research is in order for a soldier to be able to use his sword he needed to have practiced have you watched like especially like movies where they'll be like in a den and they're like training how to like fight and whatever <laughs> yeah, you know yeah and like you know they'll you don't the, just pick up a sword ones. and know what to do with exactly. it. if i picked up a sword today i'm gonna I'm, be shocked at, at how it. heavy it is yeah. first of all and I won't even know what to do. Mm. The only sharp thing I use is probably like a knife when I'm cutting in the kitchen. Yeah. That's as far as it goes. And so if you don't utilize the word of God or if you don't use the word of God, if you don't read the word of God, when you're now fighting a battle, you will not be able to, you know, to use it, to, to quote scripture or to remind yourself of why you're there as a Christian. And I think that's the reason why it's it's important for us to have faith. Yes, it's important for us to love our neighbors. Yes, but it's also very important for us to read the word of God, not just read it, but to also study it uh, and to equip ourselves. Because when people come to us and try to 
either misrepresent or test or misinterpret the Bible, you're just gonna be like, um, that that would count my sword. Yeah, yeah. I don't know what I don't know what version you're reading, but I I've never seen that. So that's that's what I learned from the sword, uh, which is the word of God. Amen. Thanks, Mish. So I guess I'm gonna wrap us up on Thursday's lesson entitled "Practicing." battlefield prayer Mm. Paul urges us us believers um, to be soldiers that participate in crucial continuous and continual prayer for all the saints not just ourselves aka just every man our neighbours anyone and everyone I suppose Mm. Um, and Paul also I noticed within Ephesians that he he makes two prayer requests, kind of two key prayer requests. One is found in Ephesians 6.18, um, where it says, with all, prayer and peti- with all prayer and petition, pray at all times in the spirit. And with this in view, be on alert with all perseverance and petition for all the saints. His second prayer request is... Ephesians 6.19, and pray on my behalf that utterance may be given to me in the opening of my mouth to make known with boldness the mystery of the gospel. I I realize then that prayer isn't just, I feel it's one of those things in our Christian walk that is so heavily taken for granted sometimes. Oh yeah, 100%. Is like when you're going through a, a conflict or a battle or a struggle in life, Prayer may not be the first thing that comes to your mind, Mm. sadly. Sometimes you think, rah, what am I going to do? Like, what should I do first? Or who should I speak to first and get advice um, from? Mm. And then when that advice is failing you, like, (laughs) ah, Jesus. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Literally, when you've done all the 101 things on your to-do list Mm. of how do I solve this problem, let me, okay, I've tried everything. Let me take it to God and see what happens. Mm. I I really, really, again, think the lesson I heard earlier this week about just letting God do the battle for you rather than you doing the battle mm. and inviting the Holy Spirit in is so important and key because it is only through the Holy Spirit that you will have peace. Mm. No, you, You're not going to get peace from anywhere else. Nowhere. True peace that transcends all human understanding doesn't come from nobody or no one or yourself. Mm. It's purely from God. I, uh, when you read the lesson, it pulls out a number of scripture, Luke 18, one to eight. Then you got Philippians four, um, verse six. You got Colossians four, verse two. And you also got first Thessalonians five, 16 to 18. I recommend you guys checking out all those scriptures because I found them all like, oh, I just love any scripture to do with prayer because it reminds me of how important and crucial it is in my day-to-day walk when I'm experiencing these personal battles, but also unified battles that we have collectively. Mm. That prayer is like key. It's the it's the one ingredient in the dish that you're about to make that you cannot, like if you don't put salt, if you don't season your food, it's peak, it's just missing something, right? Mm. And so it's the same thing where you have to season your daily life with prayer. I like that. Um the some of the scriptures that we read um that I just named it asks us the question in the lesson says which one inspires you the most and why? I'd have to say for me personally 
I really like, well, I like them all, but 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 to 18, and in particular, verse 17 of that is pray without ceasing. Mm. We had studied that earlier on in Ephesians, where whereby what does praying without ceasing mean? Because how can you stop how can you not stop praying? Like, what if I go to sleep? Yeah. That would, <laughs> do you know what I mean? Then I've stopped praying, innit? Mm-hmm. And that's, it's, we're being told here to pray without ceasing. For me, it's the constant communion with God. It's atonement with God daily. Not even, not, when I say daily, sometimes we think that's, you know, you wake up in the morning and whatever happens in the middle, that's what happens in the middle. Yeah. No, we're talking folding got into every single crevice every when i say that i think of like when you're baking and you kind of fold something into it you know you mix it all up in there mm. that's what i believe praying without ceasing um signifies for me that's how i envision it it's like bruh whatever you're going through you bet you better fold that prayer in there like what you tell me you're, have you prayed exactly coming to me exactly <laughs> and i think that's you know a really key aspect of practicing battlefield prayer Mm. and i'll tell you this i recently when i say recently it was this morning (laughs) (laughs) i i read isaiah or isaiah isaiah okay isaiah 38 and it's about hezekiah hezekiah is this brother that basically falls ill he's no longer feeling well and through isaiah the prophet god speaks to hezekiah and says my brother, you know what? I'm so sorry, but it's it's your time. <laughs> it's your time. I'm so sorry. You're going to be, you're ill and um, you're not going to get any better. Mm. So that's what the Lord told Isaiah to communicate to Hezekiah. And so Hezekiah is deeply upset and he prays. He prays real hard, a fervent prayer. If you read Isaiah 38 from 2 onwards, where he's, he's basically said, Lord, remember that I have faithfully served you with all my heart. I have done what you say is good. Hezekiah cried very hard, it says here. He cried and cried, bro. Like he, he was not ready to die. Guess what happened? He didn't die. Just yet. <laughs> he didn't die, bro. <laughs> I mean, he did, yeah. but well, not in that moment. Not in that moment. Basically, um, Isaiah was like, you know what, bro? I just received another message from God. This just in. He said that he God has heard your prayer and God saw your tears. And as it says here in verse 5, I will add 15 years to your life. I will save you and this city from the king of Assyria and I will protect this city. Imagine. Yeah. yeah. That power of prayer is it's just, oh yeah, it's wild. It blows my mind. And... I guess this is just my encouragement to each and every single one of us, including myself, that when you're going through it, when you're knee deep in the drama and the conflicts and and the, the things that get you down, you know, maybe you're on the brink of depression or anxiety, you're having panic attacks, or even if you're just finding it difficult to smile in your day to day or wake up feeling like you have any purpose or motivation, bring it to God in prayer. And that's, that's probably how I would challenge us and close this is whatever you're going through right now, take it to God in prayer. And he may not answer you right at this very moment or when you think you need an answer from God, but best believe 
that God is an on-time God. 